Welcome to the Radical Female Podcast, hosted by Jamie Christ. Whether you're a female founder prepared to take on your industry standard or a female executive sick and tired prioritizing everybody else's priorities, here we talk through those transformations and how to make them happen by hearing real women's stories who've been through it. Let's dig in. Hi, gang, and happy Thanksgiving week. Probably when you're getting this, it will be after Thanksgiving, but I truly hope you all take some time to rest. I feel like this is the time of year you don't get any rest, but if there's a way that you could just schedule yourself like a me day or just a half day, whatever it may be, I truly hope you get that time for yourself because I know I'm feeling it personally where it's been a mad dash into the fall. We've been so sick. (laughs) We had COVID. We just got over RSV. I'm like, is this ever going to fucking end? Because I feel like as soon as I bounce back and catch a breath, then we get hit with something else. So I can, I feel like as a collective, we're all just feeling in that way and everybody's so busy right now. So I know I scheduled a self day for myself on December 1st. I'm so curious if you'll do it for yourself. I would love to hear if you're doing it for yourself. But we are here with our third guest, Dr. Sam DeFlo. And Sam has been a dear friend of mine for the last few years. And I'm so grateful for her friendship. We connected in 2019. Our friend Stacy connected us. And um, I, at the time, was actually working on the run business for Under Armour. I had an athlete who was pregnant. And for Under Armour, we really, we had no female support when it came to females' bodies, especially in the athlete side. We had a human performance team that was all men. And what I wanted to do and to support Natasha was Natasha Hastings. I don't know if I mentioned her name about um, the athlete, but it was her. She was training for Olympics for 2020 Olympics and was pregnant in 2019. And um, just really to make sure she had support, you know, physically, mentally, you know, I feel like women who've been through who have women's bodies and who've been through pregnancy, and especially somebody like Sam, like knows it ins and outs. It was hard for me to actually try to connect the dots for Natasha with all men on a team. So Sam came at a very pinnacle time, I would say, not just in my professional life, but also as I was going through our pregnancy loss late that fall, Sam really just gave me a place to make me feel heard. You know, after the surgery, I had basically our abortion and losing the baby. I was 16 weeks. My body was changing so much already. And I had like a little bit of a bump. And for me, you know, I worked out quite a bit so I could tell that physical difference so much. And she just, she was one of the main ones that told me what I needed to do to take care of myself, to be gentle to myself physically, mentally, that typically we really don't get from the medical system. And Sam, you know, just to go in her background and why I feel like she was such an important person to highlight on the Radical Female podcast. Um, Sam is a PT. She's a nationally known acclaimed physical therapist, leader in the pelvic floor health. And she's also the founder and chief medical officer at Indigo Physio. And what I love about Sam is her journey. She did not know she wanted to be a PT whatsoever when she was growing up. She actually will dive into about her wild journey of how she went to school, become a Spanish teacher to 
real estate and then how she actually came about of being a pelvic floor PT and just trusting that because I feel like it's more in the conversation now. You see more pelvic floor PTs for sure. But when she was starting this practice, there was nobody talking about pelvic floor PT whatsoever. She actually had a doctor pull her to his side, have coffee with her and tell her that she was out of her damn mind, basically. The fact that he like took her to the side, it's just, yeah, here she is. She is building one of the largest pelvic floor practices in the U.S., she has come out with a book, which we dive into a little bit more. It's called The Pelvic Prep School, A Guide to Preparing for Your Pelvis for Each Day of Pregnancy, Birth, and Beyond. It is for pre-sale right now, and you can actually receive it starting December 19th, which is less than a month, which is super exciting. And then in the show notes where you can find that. And also what we touch on, and I think there could be a part two of this as well, is talking about perimenopause, you know, with a lot of women having kids a little bit later, you know, we don't, I feel like we don't really talk about like perimenopause and what's to come and what you're like, what are the symptoms, how to help your body go through that. So we touch on it a little bit, but I think there's going to be a part two for this. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Sam Duflo. She is just such a wealth of knowledge in the women's maternal health. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. But if you have any questions for her or want to learn more about Indigo, you can check around the show notes. You can DM her. She does. She definitely does check the DMs. I'm pretty sure we have conversations throughout DMs on Instagram versus text at times, which is hysterical. But I really hope you get to enjoy this interview and just this woman who is a wealth of knowledge and a gem and just incredible work that she is making happen in the woman's world. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Enjoy. I don't even know where to begin because first of all, we got to give a shout out to Stacy because Stacy is the one that connected us. Yes. I think you need to know this woman. She's really interested in helping, you know, female athletes. And then the work that I was doing at Under Armour at the time with Natasha, like the universe just made it happen between us because when you showed up in my life, it was like pretty much the timing when I found out that Natasha Hastings was pregnant. And I was thinking to myself, like, what the hell am I going to do? Because we have a team of all men on the human performance team. Like we're screwed. Um, but shout out to Stacy because Stacy connected us and Stacy is just like, I don't know. I feel like she's like one of my OG people of Baltimore. Like how, how did you two meet? Well, because Stacy Wolfson founded and created the Baltimore flow. And so yep. that's kind of a support group and league and Facebook group for people that menstruate that have endometriosis or adenomyosis mm. or questions about that. And years ago, when Stacy founded that, you know, when to this day, there's just so little research or promotion of help for those things. And so I think that when you've gone through something like that and you find a practitioner that can help, then you start connecting people. And so Stacy is another big connector. And I think that you're a big she connector. And- Shout out to Stacy because she really is. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And like, I was thinking today too, when I was thinking about this podcast and like the idea of you doing a podcast on the radical female and, you know, really both you and Stacy 
and I would like to think myself exemplify this idea of like, we're not, there's no scarcity mentality. Like part of being radical is that you're consistently connecting with other humans and trying to help them and help their cause and promote that. Um, It's not just about how you play a role in that for them, but how they can help many people leveraging off of your PR or your podcast or more people knowing about this very relevant information for women's health. Right. And there's never enough. Like to your point, I feel like, especially in a city like Baltimore, which is a big reason why, you know, partnering with the guide, highlighting the women like yourself into that feature you know, it just Baltimore, I feel like it's such a bad rep. I, I think you texted me and was like, I hate that yeah. Baltimore gets such a bad rep, but we have the best humans. And I'm like, we have the best fucking we humans, the best humans ever. And I just feel like more and more, like you just appreciate that so much in a city. I don't know, like just with Baltimore getting such a bad rep at times. And, and, and I feel like when all like the good stuff happens, it happens in like DC or Philly, New York and Baltimore gets overlooked. But I feel like we have when I explain to people the resources that I have from a women's health perspective, I'm like, I am so lucky. Like the women in this community, like is unbelievable and untapped resource. I feel like it's unreal. It's it's not just the women, but we are in like a healthcare hub on the East coast. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have so many different healthcare systems to choose from and uh, so much research that's happening here. That's going on behind the scenes and then the people here, I, I feel like for the most part, and I totally agree with you, like Baltimore gets a bad rap. I feel like when I spoke at Harvard last month, somebody was like, oh, oh Baltimore. Can't wait to like, talk about Baltimore. That. Yeah. And I oh, constantly am pivoting that dialogue to be like, mm-hmm. the people that are here want to be here. And they we recognize that there's a lot of problems. And yeah. we're all working really hard to lean into that and to change that. And the only way to make Baltimore better is for people to stay and to reinvest in communities and to donate their time and to leverage people's voices. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, that's, Baltimore for me, opening Indigo, like having moved from Chicago, and Chicago is a great city. And when you say Chicago, everyone's like, I love Chicago. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it Chicago is a great city. But yeah, like, one of like, you know, millions of people, and you don't know your neighbors. Like, yeah. I worked, I lived in a three story walk up with like six apartments and didn't know my neighbors. And here I feel like I can't walk down the street without seeing somebody that I know. And I think yeah. that Baltimore is really connected in that way. And then when we're talking about fertility, prenatal support, postpartum support, uh, perimenstrual support, uh, perimenopause support, there's a huge network of individuals here in Baltimore that are very educated and want to help. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, enough about Baltimore. Let's talk about you. This is, I mean, <laughs> I we love Baltimore. Don't get me wrong, but we could go on for hours about Baltimore and all the great things about the city. But Sam, about you, and I just, with your journey and what, where you are today, I mean, I feel so fortunate as a friend and you as a professional in my life of ways that you've helped me, but for to experience and watch you since we met, I think that was 2019, you have been through so many changes. Like your journey itself is like one giant radical amazingness, like how you have 
come to who you are today with your business as a mother, as a single mother, and the way that you've developed Indigo as a brand, it's not just a business, like you've developed this community and this brand, but even the work that you're doing, like I, and, and the book, like there's just so many things that you've accomplished in these few years that you dealt with COVID and owning a business and a practice that is very hands-on. You went through a divorce. You've become a single mom in your work and what you're doing. And you are an incredible mother to your daughter. And then, you know, coming out of the other side of COVID, you're expanding your business throughout the whole state of Maryland into DC and plus more and becoming the largest pelvic floor PT practice in the US. And then you just released a book. So However, as amazing all these things sound and if, for the listener, like it, right? Like she's a powerhouse. I know behind the scenes, there's been a lot of hard work, tears, sweat, equity, I mean, all the above. And so, and part of this podcast is unraveling that radical journey of the highs and lows. So tell us about your journey of like how you came about becoming a PT in the pelvic floor practice and how Indigo really got started and really like how you got here. So I have a really interesting origin story, I think. Um, I grew up on the St. Lawrence River. My dad was very much a baby boomer and he used to work in intelligence and was a very hardworking, self-employed individual. And between him and my mom, there was, we had a really strong work ethic to adhere to. I mean, I was up working around the property and things like that, you know, at a very early days on weekends growing up, as soon as I was 11 or 12, my dad started buying me gas for the lawnmower and I had to go hand out flyers and started mowing lawns around the neighborhood. And then in New York, you can work at that time, you could work at age 14 until seven o'clock at night. And so I started working at Auntie Anne's Pretzels. And I worked there for many years. And one of my running jokes is that like, I learned everything that I know from Auntie Anne's because they have such a stellar set of operations. And if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. I mean, you could eat off of any surface in those Auntie Anne's at that time. And at that time. At that time. <laughs> I don't know what it's like now. I still eat their pretzels. It's like, oh, I, you know, BWI airport when you walk down to was it gate yep, e? get you every time every, every freaking time sorry every time, there's always a line <laughs> and they've been very successful and Auntie Anne herself has been very very involved in the oh, business and now they're a franchise and it's right. not scaling in the same way and etc there's you know but there are parallels and I really I, I was really kind of driven into that very hard work ethic, which, you know, now mm -hmm. 30 years later takes a lot of therapy to like undo <laughs> some of those voices yeah. in my head, pushing productivity and maximizing every moment and things like that. Um, and I think rest is equally as important for us, but I was originally, I went to college at university of Delaware and I was a Spanish teacher and I really I taught and I was teaching in elementary school and it was just not for me. It was not the setting that I wanted to be in. And I ended up moving out West to Wyoming, to Wyoming. Um, and where I was in Wyoming, I was selling real estate. So I was Wait, selling time out. how'd you end up there? Cause like being from Delaware, yeah, taught school in Virginia, you know, fell in love with somebody. Yeah. And they were moving, moved with them. My parents probably thought I was, 
just following my heartstrings, which I was, but it, it really provided me a lot of different opportunities. And you'll see later on that as I build Indigo and mentorship in this team, that these layers of like having an education background, yeah. having a sales background, networking, like it all builds into this really unique character yeah. that can run this business and scale this business how it is. But when I was out there, there wasn't a lot to do. I wasn't in like the beautiful Yellowstone area. <laughs> it was a lot of plains and dirt roads and antelope. And I started distance running. And I didn't like selling real estate. It wasn't for me. Like New York girl out in Wyoming selling ranches was not a good fit. And so I got sent to, I had knee pain. I went to an orthopedic surgeon and his response was like, I don't, I don't see a tear on the MRI, but like we should scope it. And I was like, well, what's, what's our alternative here? And so I had a running coach at the time who referred me to this great PT out in Boulder, Colorado, Brad. And he saw me once and he was like, this is just mechanics. This is all biomechanics and physics. And like, this is like tilted. So this is tilted. And so like, you're getting wear and tear here. And I left and I just kind of felt like my brain all of a sudden wow. I had this like connect the dots. And I remember a week later, I had flown up to the St. Lawrence River to see my parents. And I was sitting on the bow of the boat with my mom. And I was like, you know what? I wonder how much physical therapists make. And I went back to Wyoming a week later, quit my job, enrolled in school full-time. And I had to get an associate's degree in pre-med because having been a Spanish teacher, I didn't really have right. that. And I went to PT school um, a year later. Um, I enrolled in a doctorate program back here in Maryland. And I was very interested in working with female runners. And then as I really got into PT school, I was like, I don't know if I fit here. Like this, like khakis and sneakers and athletic wear. I mean, I was the girl who like shopped at J Crew factory and like wore like orange pants to class. Like, you know, I, I just, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't figure out like how I really fit into that pipeline. And then I was offered to do a research residency in Malawi, which is in sub-Saharan Africa. And I was working in mother-to-child transmission of HIV AIDS and doing community assessments in maternal health clinics in the rural wow. areas. Fell so in love with maternal health and came back and just set off from there. And when I was, you know, working in practices, I you know, I started at a hospital-based outpatient practice and and then, you know, moved on to private practice and then opened Indigo. Um, Wait, you know, how old were you when you went back to school for PT? Because a lot of times I think people, you know, we go through the phase of like, oh, it's too late. You I know? was in my 20s. So I believe that I started PT school when I was 27. And, um, I did take a year off of PT school, which is very unusual. And I went and backpacked around the world and did a bunch of public health things. And, you know, all these threads kind of weave together and how I educate, how I'm inclusive, like how I think about things globally in a different way. But I, in working in these different settings and, and outpatient practices, I was like, you know, like bright lights and I only get like 30 minutes with my clients and, all of these things kind of wrapped together and was like, how do I fit in this system? And I didn't, I couldn't figure out a way that I could treat my clients in the way they really needed to be treated. And also me be my authentic self, which gives them the best treatment. And so I created Indigo, which is why when I originally created it, like our tagline is 
a new paradigm in pelvic pelvic health, which I I think still stands true to that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So when you decided to take that leap of starting indigo, like talk us through that process because you make Ooh, it sound girl, so easy, but I, I know so it's scared. not. Yeah, like the way your approach is is so different than anything because what you see typically in Baltimore, and I'm sure of course any city, it's like your typical like sports practice of anything, or you know it's kind of old school. Your practice, like it is when you walk into an indigo physio, like the setting is so nurturing. It's so feminine. You could feel the feminine energy. And that was like what really made me feel at ease, especially when you and I met. I just went through my first pregnancy loss. And what I appreciated about you as a friend, as a like as somebody expert in this field, like you made me feel like, no, you're supposed to still come in here, even though you didn't have a full birth, like you're still going through postpartum, you're still going through these things. And when I walked in, I was so nervous. And I walked in your office and I just was like, it was just like a, a weight off my shoulders because it was just going through that pregnancy loss journey. You know, when you go to these appointments, like you just have to repeat your story and it just feels very like copy and paste. But when I walked into your studio, it just felt so, like I belonged and I felt like at ease of this feminine energy that was like, I'm going to be okay because just the way that you bring that energy into your, into your practice. I really thought about and still do in all of our new clinics, like how people feel when they come in, you know, as there, so many of our clients have a history of a sexual experience without their consent or pregnancy loss or a traumatic birth, or, you know, they feel shame, they're incontinent, they have fecal incontinence, they have pelvic pain, there's some reason there. And so many of our clients have to go to so many medicalized appointments that I didn't want to be a spa. I wanted to be taken very seriously Mm -hmm. as a medical practice, but I knew that there was a different way to shape that. So natural light, um, you know, looking at everything from the, the wattage in our light bulbs to the fluorescence, to the paint color on the walls, to, you know, how our, client concierge team greets people, the whole experience, the choreography of it has been studied so widely for Indigo that I really mastered that. And in parallel to that, I had worked in so many clinics that didn't have windows and I was like in a closed box all day long and it's not good for your own mental health. And so I really wanted to make sure that it was a great space for our practitioners and that they would want to continue coming to work and not feel anxious about that. And so, um, you know, there's a lot that really went into that to curate that experience. And I like your term feminine energy, but it's different just to highlight that it's not like boobs and bodies and like go girl attitude. No, it's not like at all. It's very like healing. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's embracing because we treat all genders. Um, right. And our male clients or trans clients, like all feel very comfortable in our space because it's clean. It's medical, it's medical in the ways that it needs to be, but we use real sheets. We use, you know, like creature comforts there so that you don't feel like it's another medical appointment and everyone is heard. You know, we ask very specific questions throughout the experience to make sure that you feel heard and validated. And if we aren't the right resource for you, we're referring you to somebody else that is. Yeah. So when you launched your first practice, like tell us that process. 
Oh, like, it was so scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how did you talk yourself off the edge a bit to be like, this will work. That's the thing, Jamie. Yeah. You don't talk yourself off the edge. Yeah. You talk yourself into making the leap. Yeah. And if you, you just, I, the, what I did from a mechanical and like lifestyle standpoint was I got a roommate and I like had stashed away a tiny bit of savings, which, you know, when you're 30 is like very little. And I was like, okay, I'm going to eat ramen and work my tail off. And if this works, it works. And if it doesn't, like I will be okay. Yeah. There were a lot of time. I mean, I had a lot of stress because I was not sure if it was going to work. And I did a social media post on this the other day, but when I signed, cause I had been subletting for like almost a year until I signed my first lease and I could finally find somebody that would rent to me. Um, and when I signed that first lease, I was terrified. I was like, mm. what if I get pregnant with twins and then I can't pay the rent? Like, and you, you have to kind of do a lot of these mental gymnastics. And I think the difference is that I, I kind of have this vein in me of, this, you know, intrinsic ability to be an entrepreneur and not just a pelvic PT. So I think that it's rare to have somebody that can like do their job really, really well. And also do this other parallel of like, you Mm -hmm. can bake great cakes, but that's very different than owning a bakery and learning operations and ordering and all of these things in the background. So when I started this, I had, I had a physician take me to breakfast and coffee one day and was like, I really, I admire what you're doing. I think you're a great pelvic PT. I just, I just want to let you know, like, I don't think this will work. Like, I think, wow. you should, I think that you should take insurance. Wow. And I'd come from so many insurance models, which like reimburse PT so little, you have to hire all these billers. Insurance takes months and months to reimburse you. Then they're like shortening time with, you know, PTs with the clients because you need to see more clients in order to- So from the start, you never accepted insurance because I know like working with Angie, she stopped during COVID because it was just such a shit show for her. She was just like, I, this is hurting my business more than it's helping me. So I'm going to just stop at this point and actually hope for her in the long term. Yeah. And for a lot of ways, like for a lot of our clients, the insurance model doesn't work because as a physical therapist, you have to set short-term and long-term goals. And the insurance has to say that those goals are suitable towards working Mm. towards and reimbursement. And so you can't say like patient will have pain-free sex because they don't consider pain-free sex a legitimate goal. And so there's a lot of underlying social structure and patriarchal and medical discrimination that goes into so many of these layers. But also like, I just knew my, I could not, I could, I was, you know, like there was no way I could see like 80 clients a week myself. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it, it just, that structure wouldn't work. And I've held to that because our clients don't need to be seen twice a week for eight weeks. We don't need that recipe. Like we have so many hands-on manual therapy techniques that we can do And this allows us to give our patients the best level of care that's possible, allows Indigo to give a very, very, very rigorous mentorship to anyone new and ongoing throughout their career at Indigo, as well as pay our PTs a suitable wage Mm -hmm. um, so that they can continue to do what they love to do. So there's a lot of different facets that goes in 
behind the scenes and in, in choosing that. But it was tough. And I, I would say one of the hardest parts about the first five years of Indigo is that you have to say no to so many things. Mm-hmm. Because- or a lot of times you want to say yes because you have this fear of like, I'm not going to get the business or I have to say yes to everything to gain it. But like, I love the mentality because you it's about the quality of what you're doing versus the quantity of things. Yeah. And I said yes to a lot of business things, but I think what I'm referring to more is like personal things. Like you, mm-hmm. if like I really had, like, I couldn't go on all the trips. I couldn't have the weekends. I couldn't, you know, there were a lot of like friends that I had to just like, I can't do all of these things. Mm. And, you know, you are, you really have your head in the sand and you're like working. And I think you're, and I, I reinvested everything that I made back into Indigo to make it successful and kind of where it is now. And you just, you have to really parse out priorities in a different way and say like, and, and now I am not the prime example of work-life balance. And so I've learned a lot and it's on. You made some good changes. I mean, training for the marathon was a really proud moment I had for you. And I was like, this is good. This is good for Sam. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things and I probably, you know, I would do things differently, you know, now than I did seven years ago, but it was a lot of hustle. I mean, you just have to work there was just so much blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. And I'm so thankful. I mean, I love what I do. And so when you love what you do, it it makes it so much easier. Yeah, for sure. So this is early 30s. You you launch Indigo as you're launching everything off. When when did you become pregnant with Rev? I got pregnant with her a year and a half, I believe, after I opened. Wow. Um, I didn't realize it was that early in the business because I feel like so many women feel like they have to wait, you know, in that process of things and understandably like understand why. And I think Mm -hmm. even with our generation, like even with us, I waited a little bit longer because I was like, I want to focus on my career. And like, it's hard to balance both, which it is. But for somebody owning a business, like that's a whole different game. And yeah, it just... It was, I still don't know how I did, how I did it. My CFO and I had a conversation last week and he was like, I don't know how you did this because I, (laughs) I had to work like, you know, a hundred hours a week throughout my entire pregnancy. And I had to go back. I had to start working like, you know, remotely a week or two after I had her and then went back to Mm. work at six weeks full time, um, which is a thousand percent not ideal. And I didn't have any paid maternity leave. And so it was, those were not things that I loved about that. Um, But I was also at a place in my life where I was over the age of 35 and I wanted a baby and I, you know, there was no perfect time. And so I did it and I'm, you know, I have a lovely almost five-year-old daughter now and Indigo is seven and a half years old. So you know, we, I managed to do it both. I have some gray hairs under there, Uh, (laughs) some extra frown lines and wrinkles. Um, but we made it through and it just, it, it helps you be a better parent too. Yeah. She sees what I'm doing and what it, you know, she can mirror that and really see what she's capable of doing and that she can 
choose her own path. Yeah. It's it's funny. I, I talked to my aunt about this a lot and kind of what you were talking about, your parents like growing up, that hard work mentality. Like when you're growing up, you're like you're I remember being at my aunt's flower shop because she owned a flower shop and you know, it'd be Valentine's Day, like we're cutting flowers or Christmas, whatever it may be. And I remember just being like, Well, why can't we just go do whatever? You know, why do we always have to be at the flower shop? And it's so funny how first of all, I don't know how my aunt did she took me in and had her two kids right after me. But then to own a business and then she went through a divorce, like I look back and I'm like, holy shit, she was superwoman. Like how does she manage all this? And then plus owning a business. But even growing up at that age, I moved in with her when I was five. But looking back, I'm like, I'm very thankful of that experience because I got to see her like run this business and an experience and appreciation that many people never got to like, we'll have that. And I feel like you, because of what you experienced with your family and then now you owning a business, like Riv would have that example in her life, um, of what you're doing, which is amazing. And she can see the highs and lows. I mean, yeah. she has, she has real, she does not, she knows that it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and she sees the tears or the stress and I try to shelter her that from that in some ways and in other ways, it's like, this is reality. And like, this is how we perform self-care or this is why mommy runs or different yeah. things like that. And so it opens the doorway to a lot of different conversations. And I would, I would love for her to go work at NTNs one day, roll them pretzels, girl, like, yeah, like seriously. Learn, learn, learn the things like make your own money. I think I made like $4 and 70 cents an hour or something like that. Right. Uh, I think that's what one pretzel costs now. So yeah. like probably you know, does. And if it gets a dipping sauce, it's even more. So yeah, we wouldn't get yeah, it. It's, <laughs> um, so it's, it's certainly been a journey. I mean, I wasn't married that long. So like that, it, I, I am good at the, a little bit of the disaster management and yeah. we're lucky because we're all still a family. We just don't live together and we're not mm-hmm. together. And Riv really sees that. Um, and we try to create a paradigm for her in which she sees both of her parents working really yeah. hard, but also, you know, exercising and celebrating movement of the body and kind of like aligning core values in that way. But yeah, like I, I mean, I know you've been through it, but talk about radical. Like if you put it all in a list, it's like, okay, well, went from one clinic to yeah. three clinics, had a baby, had a very significant loss of a family member, went through COVID, all of this within like yeah. two years. And then I like kind of came out of the other side and was like, dang, my skin looks still pretty good. Like, understanding <laughs> how? Like, yeah. How yeah. Like, you don't go any other way. You and don't. You don't. And, and you're way. just, and you're such a positive light in that sense where you keep chugging along, even though I know it's not been an easy road at all. But, you know, just thinking about post COVID, it hasn't been that long. But talking about 2023, because I feel like 2023 has been a massive year for you, by the way, I just want to, we'll get into the book, but I think it's a funny story about the book, but just talking about 2023 a year ago, I remember sitting with you at Atwater's and we're just talking about all the things of like, what's to come for Indigo, what you're working on. And you're like, oh yeah, I have this book on on Google Duck. And I'm like, what do you mean you have a book? And you're like, no, like here, let me show it to you. And it's like, full-fledged book is done, creative with it, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, so why is this sitting in Google files right now? Like the world needs to see this. That was like, it was, I think it was like January, no, February 22. 
And it's because I didn't have that I was so focused on indigo and single parenting that I right. just, you had all this happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you kept she, going along. Like you never, yeah. you never felt it wasn't a moment. Like you felt sorry for yourself. And I feel like at times, especially when it comes to like separating from your spouse and divorce, it, there's a stigma, like you're taking 10 steps back. And it's like, for you, like oh. you, you stepped into your power and you kept going, even though I'm sure it was hard as shit, but I think what a lot of women can learn from you is just the mentality of how you played into that a bit of like, this is for me and what I need to do what's best for me and what my goals are. Um, yeah, we had a unique circumstance. I don't really think that there was like much choice in the matter. Like yeah. this, it was, you know, this had to happen yeah. um, for so many different reasons that I won't go into, but the, there's a great Bluey episode. I don't know if Adley is into, she's probably a little too young. Like, it's isn't too like, young, but it's like, it's yeah. like Australian Shepherd. So I feel yeah. like I need to like, yeah. and it's so geared towards parents and there are like such funny innuendos and it's great for kids. And yeah. you know, if you have to plug your child into the vortex, that's one thing I do really like. And there's a great episode where Bluey's dad is like the, the, it's not an obstacle in the path. The obstacle is the path. Mm. And I really embrace that. I and love you, that. No, me too. Oh. Um, and you, I, that's where, that's where I think it is, is that like, you see these different things and there's like, you know, you can, you can fight things for so long, but you know, a little dose of Brene Brown and some self-compassion and, and also I know who I am. And I know that I can, there are certain things in motherhood that I can sacrifice about who I am to raise this young child. But there are also things that I know are staples of who I am and my core values. And if I betray those or leave those behind, then the rest of me is not as whole. Mm-hmm. And being a mother is one of the, like, is a yeah. part of me, but it is not the entirety of right. me, as disputable as that would be. And I would do anything for her and I love her and I'm so happy I have her. But like, also, you know, we travel internationally together. Like she's my little ride or die. Like we go and do these things together and like, it's hard. People are like, oh, that must be nice. I'm like, oh yeah. It's like chronic (laughs) food deprivation. My child's (laughs) at 4 a.m. today. And so like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of different aspects and it's all an iceberg. Like what you see is, and I try to portray a lot of reality on social media. So not all of it. No one needs to see everything, but like, you know, there's, it's not all great hair days. It's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. I had sure. a, client, a client come in three years ago and I very distinctly remember she was a therapist and she was like, man, you have the life. You run your own business. You can take vacation whenever you want. You can like <laughs> have that. your own schedule. And I like laughed out loud. Because it's like, yeah, like if not taking a vacation in like forever or like, you know, constant worry lines is like your cup of tea. Employees, people's lives on your hands. Yeah. No big deal. Oh my goodness. You get to a certain point where like, yes, the vacations come back in and like, and also as a parent, you just need to take your child. You have to. So when you talk about your values, so it seems like you've done a lot of self-work in the practice of your values, who you are, everything you just explained on, like, can you give us like a snapshot of those things that have helped you to get where you are today to like ground yourself? Cause even in the chaos of owning a business or, you know, um, launching different things and just taking that leap, like what things have helped you just 
to guide you in those values or to get grounded when there is a lot going on. Like I know running has become a big part of your regimen of just making you feel good and feel grounded and get outside. But is there anything else that you wouldn't want to share that? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those, there's different things. So, um, one is in creating a business, whether it's a side hustle, which I don't love. I'm not a huge advocate of the side hustles. Um, but if you're, it's your primary job, whatever you're doing, you're building a business. I think having a great support team and understanding, like I right out of the gates, HR person, accountant, legal, like I don't know how to do those things. I wasn't going to pretend to. And I invested in really great people to help Mm. build the framework, which allowed me to take step by step moving forward. And then as a personal level, like I, I've always said, like, I try to move my body every day and get outside every day. And for me, running is all meditation. It's all cathartic. Mm. I mean, I listen to music or like Bloomberg business podcast or things occasionally, but I like don't run on the treadmill with a TV. I don't listen to, you know, I just, I try to go and that's where I get some great ideas. Mm. I think about things, I process things, or I think about nothing. And I just think about like moving my body forward. (laughs) And it's so, when you are so attached, like I am, I have an umbilical cord to me and indigo, like it's, I'm so attached to it in so many different ways and so involved, hyper-involved. Um, between that and then being a parent, you lose so much of your autonomy as a mother, whether I'm a mother to Indigo or mother to my daughter or a caregiver to my pets or, you know, uh, in a relationship with my partner, like different things like that. Like you, it's very hard. Like you have, you lose physical autonomy. Like you have a little person that's like clinging to you or you're breastfeeding or lactating or pumping or, you know, being the one up in the middle of the night with them your body changes, you lose that autonomy and like your time, like your own control over time. Like I cannot control what time my daughter wakes up in the morning. No, I, you can plan all the things and that's you, it. I, yeah. I, I tried all the things yeah. like, and you can't control those things. And so you lose some of that autonomy and running gives that back to me. Yeah. Um, and, but I would also say that like doing, I mean, I have a great therapist and I believe that therapy can be so helpful with the right person for so many people. Mm -hmm. And I haven't always gone to therapy. Um, but I have a great therapist that in particular works with like C-suite and execs and people running women running their own businesses, which has been really helpful to me. Mm. But I, I really, I really got down and dirty. I like read a bunch of Brene Brown books and then I did a full core values exercise and like really dug into what are my core values? And, you know, they give you like 200 to choose from, and then you have to really parse it out and they tell you to break it down to 10 and then five and then eventually less. And I think I have like six, like it was hard for me to get down to less. But when I think about that, what I do now is that whatever decision I'm making as far as work or parenting or partnership or things like that. Like I always kind of go back and be like, does this align with my core values? Yeah. And that has been very helpful to me to stay Mm -hmm. grounded. And then now I know when I have to like turn it off, like, and for me, reading is a big thing. Like I'm a huge reader. So I read a lot. And then I, I try to look at myself and say like, who, how do I feel today? And what's, what's that rating like? And little things like I, I was really burned out this summer. And 
working with my therapist, I was like, all right, my number one goal is to restructure my day to make sure I have time to run, shower and eat. Yeah. And that sounds like such basic things, Jamie. But when I look around at so many women, especially women with kids or their caregiving for people or pets or things, those are things that like, especially working from home, suddenly it's like five o'clock and you're in leggings and you haven't yes. showered and you yes. haven't eaten, yep. but you've you haven't worked out. Days. You haven't done yeah. anything. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I did really. So that. I was like, yeah. this is built in now. Yeah. It's just built into my schedule. And if it has to go in my Google calendar to make it happen, like have that needs to happen yeah. and setting strong boundaries. But in order to lead, you have to have that level of vulnerability to be like, this is enough and I need help. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a forever question for a business owner. I feel like Brad and I go through that with his business all the time where I'm like, you know, just finding the right people and putting the right things in place. It's just like, it's a continuous work, but I feel like what people don't realize is like, it takes time, it takes work. And it's, it seems like you've really done that for yourself where, but I still, I know it's like still work and work in progress all the time, right? Because things Always. change, the business change, staff changes. Like, I don't think people realize that's funny about that woman coming in your office, like, oh, you have it made. And it's like, do you know how many people I have to manage? Do you know, like, every day there is like a fire drill? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you close for some reason or have to be closed or it floods or it's exactly. COVID and like you have this huge shift, like in clientele, like you, yeah. if, payroll runs like you're the last one to get paid and that's not that people should feel sorry for me but there is a level of stress that's involved in that and like and that's part of being the owner of a business and you know we're big enough now that we're safeguarded against those things and have you know but I think it it's challenging and it's challenging to run the course of I kind of grew my business in almost the same kind of trajectory as I grew my family and had my daughter. And, and so there are things that you adapt and you change and you grow and you lean on, but I've always said it takes a vision and a village. Like you're part of my village. Like we have a village of people that we can lean on. We're so damn lucky. Can I just say like, I feel like the people, and I know this is like going back to Baltimore people and like our crew here, but it's like, I just feel so fortunate with the people and it does take a village to get through certain things and it's just yeah. to keep, keep going and have those people like it is literally everything at times. And, and I think being a business owner, you have to like, because you have such little bandwidth and little time is that you have to choose that village mm-hmm. really carefully yeah. and be calculated and know that like, you have to give back to them in order for them to give to you and asking people if they have the bandwidth for it. And like a lot of my friends are, you know, women owned business owners, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and things like that, that can, we can kind of troubleshoot and have ideas, but then I also like really go off the clock together, which is really great. And, you know, when everyone's like, what do you need? I'm like, send a pizza. Like, (laughs) like, I joke (laughs) about it, but like, it's, you know, that's sometimes that's the hardest part is like you've used your entire mental Rolodex and bandwidth for the day. And then it's like six o'clock and you're like, all right, what are we eating? We're going to eat. Yeah. 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 Oh God. But it is, it's a village and it's connection and it's believing that when the tide rises, all boats rise. And so you really help the people around you Mm -hmm. and, and support them and support other women 
and queer owned businesses and, you know, whatnot. And then, you know, it all comes up together. Yeah, for sure. And just like a call or text away to help with anything, which I love, which I feel like with the your book coming out, so that's December 19th, right? Um, I'm just thinking about how you have put some work in and now it's, I, I'm, I'm so proud as a friend to see it shine through and like see it actually come live and like it's here in physical form <laughs> and not on a Google doc. Holy shit. Um, but it's I've, not pink. It's, I, yeah, that was my huge thing. I have so many pelvic and birth books and they're all in one place on my shelf. And my, my bookshelves are not color coordinated. Oh, mine are. And, like, and then like, that's what it is. Pink? It's yeah. all pink. And I was like, no, this is for anybody. Like yeah. not, um, I, I just basically wrapped up over a decade of experience and mentorship and all of these things and all of these people that have come in to be like, why didn't anybody tell me this sooner? Well, you normalize what, so like, it's interesting and, and women who have not seen this book yet, which I hope you do is that it, there's so many things postpartum. And even like when I had pregnancy losses, like I was just like, how, how does my body work now? Like we just went through this loss. How do I kind of get back to me? But what I appreciated what you do in here is like, when you're like, if you're in postpartum and you just had a baby and you're still peeing your pants, like this is not normal. Where so many people, so many women are like, oh, this is just normal. Or like having uh, pain during sex postpartum, like these things that women are just accepted and, you know, you're just like, okay, this is just normal. And there's been nobody to talk to about it. And when you go that post six month or six week, um, appointment with your doctor, like they don't cover any of that whatsoever. And so what I loved is like coming into your practice and now having the book form, it's like, no, these are the things that should not be normal. And here's how you can fix them or check in and whatever. based. I think that's what's important is that like we spend so, there's so many books out there about great books um, that are about nurturing your pregnancy and Mm. preparing for delivery and people that want to have, you know, a medication free delivery, or what are we eating during pregnancy or how much sleep are we getting? What side do we sleep on? And like, what's the best pregnancy pillow and things like that. But I feel like the real nuts and bolts of so many working, working women out there is like, all right, I got 20 minutes a day. What do I need to do? And like, (laughs) <laughs> Tell and me all the things. This is like <laughs> trimester by trimester. Like these are the things. And then like the real questions that you often, like your doctor is there to make sure you and your baby are safe and healthy and make it into this world healthy, but they don't always have the time or bandwidth to spend 45 minutes with you talking about like sex or sex dreams or like, I'm more turned on. I want to have sex all the time. Wait, I don't want to have sex at all. Like, yeah. or like bowel movements, like no one talks about the first poop postpartum. And oh my God. Can I just tell you, I'll never forget. <laughs> it was the first. So we had to take Adley uh, to the doctor. It was like her first appointment. I was like sleeping on the couch. My milk just came in. I'm like leaking. And then all of a sudden I like, I was like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. Brad's like, we're going to be late, James. I'm like, he's like, what? Are you okay? Like, what is going on? I'm like, don't talk to me right now. I need to go to the bathroom and I need to pull myself together. Like it was just all at once. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, and and of course you're like sleep deprived too, but it was just like all the things at once my body just hit. And I was like, 
oh my God, like it just, and nobody like warned me. You probably warned me, but I was probably oblivious of like what, you know, you, people tell you yeah, things. Also, hit. you don't want to like, we don't want to scare yeah. Like it is such a beautiful process. It's just, and you don't no. need to know, like the book isn't scary. It's not like this is going to be awful. It's just no, kind of like, no, the, God, no. like the approach is so are also great. So many people that are so anxious. Like I've had clients be like, well, I never did any ab stuff. Cause I was so afraid of diastasis recti, which is abdominal separation. Or, you know, like I wanted to, like, I'm a runner and I want to continue running or yeah. like, what are the things that we should look at? And so I think it's just opening the gateway of being like, all right, well, like we don't do a thousand kegels a day. Like that's outdated information. We actually don't want the pelvic floor to be super, super tight during your last trimester and preparing for birth. And so there are a lot of just really good gems that somebody and their partner can read it. Like there are so many different things that it's accessible. It's fast. It's info. It's research-based. It's mm-hmm. information that I, even as I am an expert in this field, like really went seeking different information when I was pregnant and postpartum. And then, you know, the next chapter, like what happens next? And so you'll have to wait for the next book for more juicy tidbits on postpartum and entering perimenopause. Well, we were just talking about that because it was like, you know, a lot of us women are having kids later and I'm like, oh, I just went through like four years of pregnancy stuff. I'm like, but I'm turning 40 soon, like perimenopause, like all these things that like mm-hmm. nobody has talked about that, that chapter yet, which I'm excited to hear more, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's bana- I mean, when <laughs> I, I had my baby and I was like 36 and I was having crazy night sweats and so many different things. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, like, it's just because you stopped breastfeeding. And I was like, okay, well, I breastfed for a year and now I'm done with that. And it's been a year. And like, why is this still happening and X, Y, and Z. And so we just don't, these are things that I'd love for women to have more conversations about because we should know like every single person born with ovaries will go through perimenopause or menopause, whether Mm -hmm. it's surgically or medically induced whether you go through it when you're 40, 30, 55, like we, it's something that we all share and it needs to be talked about more. So we that need a part two of this. We, we need a part two of like post pelvic school prep, what's to come in your forties and all that. Yeah. Like all that. Yeah. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I just, like I said, as a friend and somebody who's been a patient of yours, like it's just, I'm so amazed and awe about your journey. There are so many tidbits about your story I did not know about. Like I know yeah. you went to University of Delaware, but I didn't realize you went for like as a Spanish teacher. I didn't realize you went to my Wyoming too. But I've just it's been especially in these last few years that we've gotten to know each other. I'm so in awe and amazed by your hard work and dedication mm-hmm. in the movement of maternal health and what you're doing at helping women across the board and men, of course, but mostly women. And just the way that your approach is like the way that you, when you take a panel or a stage, like there's no ego, like you're just here to make the world better. And Thanks. it's just, you're just a true gem, Sam. Um, Thank you, Jamie. Likewise. Yeah. I'm going to get choked up because you just, you taught me so much in my process of things um, within that. But just seeing the book come to life now, um, just so proud of you. And Thank I just you. hope you realize like how special that is Thank um, you. with the book and what you've released and everything. So I'm going to have to wrap this up. 
like I said, we're going to have to do a part two of this because there's so much more to unravel. But I feel like there's so much more and there's so much in the public health journey throughout people's lifetime. Yeah. Um, But in the meantime, if anyone wants to find the book, it's at all major booksellers, including Barnes & Noble. Yes. I'll put those in the show notes too. So people can right. check it out. Yeah. Um, and where can people follow you and ask you questions? Cause I, we ran out of time, but there's a couple of questions I got, but I, I actually got comments are like, I love Dr. Sam and somebody just fought <laughs> with you recently. And I'm like, I know. So, um, where can people yeah. follow you? And if they have any questions, obviously they could come visit your practice. Yeah. You have we amazing have staff. So yeah. Locations throughout Maryland, DC, Northern Virginia and growing. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at Indigo Physio, which is I N D I G O P H Y. SIO, or you can find our website at www.indigophysio.com. And I'm the one checking the DMs. So feel free to send a message because everyone gets a personal response from me. Yes. And also, too, I forgot to note this, but 2024 New York City Marathon is happening for you. Oh, yeah. Um, It's it's like a whole other thing we didn't touch on. But you trained for the past six months for the New York City Marathon, did all the things, and then literally days before the race, had an accident with your ankle. Yeah. So um, just proud of you on that, too. But hey, 2024, maybe I might join you on the course. Let's see. Right. I would love that the so obstacle much. obstacle is the path. Yeah. That is, seriously. You know, quote from Bluey this year. So I love it. I love it. Path. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. Love you. Love you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope this inspired you to take that next step into your radical transformation. Your feedback and responses to the show keeps me going. So please DM or email me, review and share with your friends. It means the world to me. Tune in to every Tuesday for the Radical Female Show and you can find the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more, you can follow me at Jamie Christ on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter at jamiechrist.com. 